to those stuck in place and feel there's no way forward and there's no way back. It's like you've climbed so high and you're paralyzed by fear and can't move and you've cried out for help. The Lord says to you that he is coming for you. You've pushed past your ability to save yourself this time. No one else knows that you are afraid of looking weak, but you are petrified. The Lord says, cry out to me and I will come to you. For those who are lost and all you've known is darkness, aloneness, and abandonment. You need peace and a reason to live. Jesus says, cry out to me and I will come for you. Many hear voices or have an internal belief. If I can't make it happen by myself, then I'm a failure. The fact is, if you keep trying to make it by yourself, you will fail. Your family will fail and your relationships will fail because even if you use all your self-will to overcome one thing, it will be at the price of some of the most important things in your life. Cry out, I want to come to you, but you must acknowledge your need for me. There are Jonas out there who have run away from your purpose and calling and God is saying, cry out to me. They're prodigals who have walked away from their father and are living a life they never imagined they could live. The drugs, the prostitutes, the porn, the lying, the cheating, the gangs, the lifestyle. And you're so full of shame thinking you're so far gone, but Jesus is reaching out to you saying, cry out and I will come to you. There are those whose life now hangs in the balance and you have been thinking, even planning the unthinkable. The devil is right now is mocking you daring you, pushing you, and Jesus is saying to you, cry out to me, and I will come for you. Good morning. <laughs> That's a good hearty, uh, good morning. I got to hear it again. Good morning. Good <laughs> Now, I just have to say this this morning that hey, once again, as we come here, it is such an honor and a privilege to stand here. Uh, this, we, even though some of you know us from last year, uh, but some of us might, you might know us from 20 years ago, 26, five, four years ago when I was three. No, um, no, um, I met your pastor's. Uh, 1990, and uh, I was at Bible school. They were just newly wed, and you could tell because they still act like it. Um, and I, I met them, and we just started talking. They were at the first YFN, and we started talking. Just and it was just—I don't even know how it clicked, but it was just one of those things that just clicked. And after I got out, uh, graduated Bible school, this is one of the first places that I ministered. And so then, I, then we got. Then a few years later, eight years later or so, we got, Donnie and I got married. And uh, this was the first place that she actually spoke uh, to the youth. Um, and she, she's doing, oh, man, she's growing a lot since then. Uh, and then, uh, so here I, we are, 28 years, 28 years since we uh, uh, knew each other. And now 20 years <laughs> since we first came here. And I don't know, does that sound like God? How many friends do you know that it's 28 years and you're still hanging? I even say this, how many, are you still in the same church you've been 20 years ago? Oh, don't think about that. 
But I just want to say before I get started that, and not only that, this also is cool. I also have one of my best friends from Bible college from like 28 years ago as well. He came up with his wife, Kevin, and April Pittman. And they also have been faithful supporters of our ministry even before we had a ministry. (laughs) And uh, today our lives collide here. And I just want to say this before I get started is that one thing I love about uh, Lisa and CJ. Yeah, okay. I just love them. We're so close. You know, even as we're here in Tulsa, you know, I just love it. Just kidding. Just kidding now. Come on, come on, come on. Is, is that from here, I, I've seen them remain teachable and grow. And from faith to faith, from glory to glory, even now, I just see, I just love their hearts where they're just not like, I am the pastor, we've made it. It's like, you know, we need God more than ever. And I just see God doing just incredible things continually in them. And they're, they're an inspiration to me. And I just thank God that they, <laughs> they took the chance of bringing us back here. Now, um, how many like that storm this morning? See, y'all thought it was a storm, but God was just taking my picture. Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> I was like, what? What? Get up. And I didn't go outside yet either. So, but um, I'm, I'm, uh, I get up the storm. It's doing this thing, and I'm just I'm about to go to back to bed, and the guy's like, where are you going? I got something for you. I'm like, can that wait? And he said, no. So just like in a very short time, he gave me a new prose. And so if he gave me a new prose and he didn't want me to go to bed, and I'm looking like I'm looking right now because I'm tired, then it's, by the way, you notice, we just shot that video, amen video this morning. Got the same clothes on. Come on. Come on. Um, <laughs> But I just, so I want, before we get, get into it, I just want to share this prose with you. Is that okay? And it's really a deep name. It's called Storms. Um, in life, there's so many different storms. They come in different forms. Some are harmless and some do much harm. Some are small and weak and others are big and strong. Some pass just like that and others seem to last real long. Some are so bad they sound alarms like the sound of dropping bombs, like tornadoing, tornadoes hitting farms, destroying homes and barns. Blizzards when it's cold, heat waves when it's warm, hurricanes, monsoons, cyclones, ice, I could keep going on. Crazy when they come and we're happy when they're gone. But some storms can make things right even though it seems so wrong. But in the midst of every storm, we're upheld by his arm, sheltered from the harm. Through the darkest night comes the dawn and when the lights go off... They always come back on. So don't abandon ship. You have to keep holding on. He won't let you go, but will hold you in his arms. So don't, you don't have to be alarmed because everyone goes through storms. Even though it's scary, our faith is getting strong, whether we endure or he chooses to make it calm. So I'm just going to have to tell you, that's probably the fastest turnaround from getting a piece and doing it. So you're welcome. Um, (laughs) Now, uh, this morning, I'm I'm just, 
this morning, as, I'm, as I was preparing, the Lord says, told me just to, just to testify. Because, you know what, we, we hear a lot of word. The word comes in and, we, and, we, and the word changes us. It should be changing us and it should cause us to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, that we should be better now today than we were yesterday, than we were last week, than we were a year ago. And God help us if we're not better than 30 years ago. If we are in Christ, Christ has that much power that one encounter with him changes the tra- trajectory so that causes us to get away from our way and puts on, us on a path to his way. And if we're on a path to his way, we get to see his things. We get to walk in his power. We get to see his miracles. Come on. And the thing about it is, what I love about that, some people get onto that path and they begin to see those things. But they, then they be, begin to think that those are my things. And they begin to think it's my glory. But everything that we do, everything that we have. Our beings, our giftings, our talents come from him. Without him, we would not be breathing. We would not be living. In fact, it says in the word that without him, we are nothing. That we can do nothing without him. But also, I love that verse that says with him, we can do all things. Man, who is the X factor in that? Without him, we can do nothing. With him, we can do all things. So if you feel like you can't do nothing in your situation, you need to bring him into that situation so we can get all things done. So this morning, while I was, uh, as we were uh, uh, singing a song uh, that, you know, nobody really knows, it's probably a really obscure song, glad that you sang Reckless Love today. (laughs) Appreciate it. But I first heard that song when I was, uh, I first heard, heard that song when I was in Mardi Gras this past year. And it was about probably five, ten thousand 10,000 Christians in the midst of 3 million or so uh, people just partying like crazy. And it brought the, the, it was so amazing. I just was weeping like crazy as we were talking, as we were singing this. I'm like, what's that song? Never heard it before. But it was so powerful. And would you know that 90% of the places that we minister over this, from, from uh, February till now, 90, 95% on, it's like sang that song. I'm like, wow, what are you saying? And today, the Lord, I, I felt the Lord just say, something broke. And he said, all of a sudden, I get it now. I get it. He's, his relentless love, and those who have problems with that word relentless, <laughs> No, reckless, let's just use relentless love. His relentless love, his reckless love. He does anything and everything to reach out to us, to meet us where, he's, where we're at, to let him know that our, our voices, our cries, the things that are deepest inside does not go unheard. He, he wants to let us know that even those things, that those unsaid things, the same things that we haven't even said to our wife, the things that we haven't even allowed us, ourselves to say to ourselves, he hears. And so as we are on this tour, Awaken Life, cry out, man, I'm, I get it now. I get it. 
is that the cries of his people, the cry, cries of the world is not just in the church, but there's so many people crying in the church for more. They know there's a, there's a greater understanding, there's a greater expectation, or there should be a greater reality that we should be living in. We, we get it. We say if, we, if you've been saved for over five years, it, just doing the same old, same old just doesn't cut it anymore. If God says he can do it, why, can't, why isn't it happening? If God says that this can happen, why do I only see it a little bit? Why, do, why does it seem that we have to prop up God? Oh, man, you know what? It didn't happen this time, but you know God, God, God's really real. Man, God doesn't need us to prop him up. We just need, need to, he, he needs us to just unleash him. He just needs us to, to take, take, away, take us out of the, the man-made uh, structures that, that cause him to be in a box because God was, was outside of the box before any man tried to put him in there. And if we try to put him in a box, I'm telling you, God will reside somewhere else because he's too big for a box. So I'm telling you this, as we come to you, I, I, man, I just see that even in this place, even as we travel, that there are people that have been crying out for years. And I'm talking about people that, are, that have been saved from the time they were young. They're still crying out. They're still underneath oppression and bondage and despair. And they're living a life that doesn't look like it's unleashed. That doesn't look like, it, like there's an overflow. And I speak this to you because I know that was me. I speak this to you because I know that my reality, even now, even what we're experiencing right now, is nothing compared to all that God wants to do in and through our lives. There needs to be an expectation of more. And so different ones of you have cried out. I'm just saying, I know sometimes crying out gets really tiresome, doesn't it? It's like, oh, God, what's happening? Why? What about my kids? God, what about my life? What about my marriage? What about my gift? What about my ministry? What about those dreams? You know, those dreams that I knew, that I knew, that I knew, that I heard, that I was going to do this. I was going to the world. Man, I, those big dreams, those big prophecies over you, that you were going to split the atom, that you're going to stop continental drift. You know, those big superfluous ones, the ones that, yeah, I can see myself doing that. Hallelujah. All glory to you, though. It's like we could see ourselves. I see I could do that. And that's the problem. We could see ourselves doing that. But it really is, I could see ourselves being in a place where, where God is doing that. In him we live and move and have our being. And I know this for a fact that even what's happened in my life in the last two and a half years is uh, crazy. Remember last year, I don't know if some of you here, we, we spoke on the impossible. Yeah, I know. They remember your sermon from last week too. <laughs> See, look at that. Yeah. What did he say? Where did he go? Um... But we spoke on the impossible, and we went on a tour that was just, just, it was, before we started, I had butterflies in my stomach. I was like, what the heck are we doing? We, I, I'm, like I told you last year, I'm the only black person I know that has a motor home. 
Come on, look down in your lineage. Come on, look back. You know, it's like maybe one or two or whatever, but I'm just saying that I did, I did not grow up in a culture where I knew how to de-winterize anything. You know, I didn't know what to do. Oh, oh man, that's, yeah, it cooks. I don't, what kind of gas is that? <laughs> let's, let's smell it. Um, and we went all the way through 8,000 miles over 20 states, four provinces in two months with a motorhome that I had no idea how to, I, and I am so mechanical, it's amazing. One of our on-call mechanics said, you know what, uh, you don't, I said, what do you think about it? You don't want to know what I think, because it's a 1989 motorhome and anything can happen. And while on the side of the road, you know what he said to us? He said, you know what? If I was just the mechanic, I would tell you to go home. But I saw what God had done in my life and also the people of, in our church and different people around. I saw what he'd done. You have to keep going. You have to keep going. I'm like, see, honey, we have to keep going. <laughs> the Lord's sitting there. Um, so we kept going. And would you know that the moment when we left here, the brakes went, God saved three, three atheists. Yeah, I said it. 45 minutes, three atheists. We didn't even have to talk to them. We didn't have to do a seminar. We didn't have to, like, give them the case for Christ. He said to me the first, the guy says, you know, I don't even believe in this crap. I'm an atheist. I'm like, oh, really? So I just started testifying about the things that God's doing. And he's, he's like, ugh. Uh, I don't understand it, but all my arguments that I have against God and all the different things is just coming to the ground. And I'm beginning to think that all my coincidences, and I told him I don't believe them, it brought me to this point. I got to say these words to him. This wasn't going to happen yesterday. This is not gonna ha- wasn't going to happen tomorrow. But today is the day that God decided to move heaven and earth to let you know that he loves you. Today. And I... I and, just before then, we got into the mall and all this stuff is going on. I just cried out to the Lord. You know, it's so cool to, to pray with Christians and to encourage them and be encouraged by them on the road. But I want to see people saved in numbers. And then just, av- just after that, there he goes. Boom. He saves those three. So do you think that there's a correlation between what I was crying out for and what he, what he did? I'm going to testify a little bit more. Do you know that same late, that the mom, I got to lead to the Lord four, about four, four weeks, about four weeks ago. I led her to her. She was praying these prayers. Lord, please send somebody, send a man that they, these kids would respect to lead them to Jesus. Those prayers. His mom was in, his grandma was in jail with his, with her cellmates fasting and praying for the salvation of this young man. So, and, and it's so crazy to me that he, this young man only moved back to Oklahoma only a month, three weeks prior. So you have a family from Red Deer, Alberta. You can look that on the map because I know most of you don't even know where that is. <laughs> where that is? Where's the Red Deer? But it's in Canada. <laughs> where everything is in Canada. No, but Canada. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Um, and we started in Canada 
uh, June 26th, we had so many breakdowns. It's ridiculous. Or we had to st- so many times we had to go on the side of the road. And then we just happened to be at that mall at that time it, it, with it, the brakes. I mean, even the brakes had a part of it. If, if the brakes didn't break, we would have been gone. So what the big lesson that we learned is that God is in control. That even in the greatest storms, even in the greatest inconveniences, even in things that we go, what is going on here? And we just think about my plan, what I got to do, how this is affecting me. But in in the meantime, there's three atheists whose uh, eternity is on the line. I'm just like, you know what? To cause my brakes to not work. Cause my, the motor home to not work. At the end of the day, what's more important than anything? My schedule or God's schedule? I'm saying this to us as we, as we sit here that, you know, this isn't, we think prime time is Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Ah, things are going to happen. Prime time is when, is, is when we get out of here and we go to work. We go to the mall, we go to these places, and then some, something happens or whatever, and somebody needs a hug. Somebody needs a touch. Somebody needs a high. Somebody just might need uh, Jesus. And imagine seeing prime time happen on the streets and coming back with that testimony. Huh, how, how Sunday morning going to be then? Then I'm just saying. That we that as a minister, I realize this even more so. We travel, minister in different churches and different things. But I'm telling you, the we're the the funnest part is out on the road, where where it's just us, them, and God got to do something. I'm gonna testify one more time. We are on our way from Red Deer to Alberta. We were testifying. Uh, no, we were driving and moving our, our home base, and uh, we're driving, and the, something happened with the brakes. <laughs> it's so cool. And then after that, it got fixed, and then we got a flat. That was even cooler because we were in the most remote place that you could ever imagine. <laughs> it was, no, it was so remote that, um, that it probably took four and a half hours for somebody to come and deal with us. <laughs> and so... Uh, this, as we were saying it before, I think we would have been real wor- worried, but we just pulled off to the side. We just take out the camping chairs, had showers, you know, played a game, and just prayed. And then the service guy came. And as soon as I saw him, I said, that's a setup. Wow. And so we start talking. He starts doing work. His nose starts bleeding. And I said to him, would your, would your, uh, would your work go better if it stopped bleeding? Oh, he that finds a wife. Wow. Thank, thank you, honey. Um, and so, so I prayed for him. And then afterward, he, he was fixing the flat. And I just began to say, you know what? We're out here in this remote place. How does this even happen? You're here. I'm here. God has. I just began to share the gospel with him. And I asked him, can I pray for him? 
And then he goes, you know what? My dad has been sick for the last two weeks. Nobody knows what's happening. So I prayed with him. He just, you could just see just the, the heaviness just go away from him. And we're just, I just, we finished praying with him. And I said, do you need any more tissue? He goes, no. Uh, tissue for your nose. You know, when you pray for it, my nose just stopped bleeding. And so in that moment, in that time where we could have been like, oh, man, we are already a, a day late. But God decided who was more important. And I just want to say to you that there's things that are happening in your life today, storms that are happening in your life today, things that you don't want, that you're just like, this is the worst time this could ever happen. But if we can take our eyes off ourselves and know that, know that God is good, that he would not cause us to uh, experience things that, that go beyond our ability to experience with him, and that maybe in the midst of that tragedy, that craziness, that the heaven wants to come down, break through, and impact a life for eternity. Come on. Come on. Because I, I, this is, this is my, my thought process, is that as I get older and older, and look younger and younger, is that I don't have time to play around. I don't have pl- talent. It's like I remember two and a half years ago when we decided that we felt that we were to go into full-time ministry, and I've been in vocational, bivocational ministry for a long time, and then my friend, I was like, okay, I got, I got laid off, and then we're, I need to look for another job, and my friend said to me, he said, you're either going to do this or you're not. You're either going to have ministry as a hobby per se. I mean, this is just my construct, what God's called me to do. Because there's different people that do bivocational ministry. That's what they're called to. But as for us, I knew that that wasn't us. He said, either you can do it as a hobby or you can do it. And as, then we decided that it was time to do it. Two and a half years later, we've been to Kenya. We've been to Nepal. We've been to all over the U.S. and Canada. And it's just going crazy. So when I say this, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying look, look how great we are. Because I understand that it's in him I move and live, and have my being, and that I just want to say all the glory goes to him. But you know what? I'm not going to bask in that glory of what has happened yesterday because there's so much that he wants to do tomorrow, the next day, and everything after that. Too many times our, our um, testimonies are based on things that happened 10, 15, and now we, we don't know that it's 25 years. We think it was just yesterday. <laughs> what about today? What about today? So a cry out, definition. If you cry out, you're calling out loudly because you're frightened, unhappy, or in pain. Many of us are, many of us are just trying to hold it together because and the, <clears throat> on their own, and you are afraid, unhappy, and in pain. And see, sometimes the only words that can save you is help me. Let me say that again. Sometimes the only words that can help you and get you out of where you're at are the words help me. For some of us, we can say help fast, but most of us, like me, if you're hard-headed like me, it takes a lot of pain and a lot of time for me to say, help, I can't do this on my own. Huh? Come on, man. Come on. Come on, we got a front like we, that we have it all together, that we know the answers, and it's like, so what's going on? Don't worry, it's going to be okay. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, I don't know how it's going to go. Oh, I guess I should, I should call a friend and pray, but you know what? I can make it. You know, that's for somebody right here, right now. It's heavy, too heavy. 
and you're still trying to lift it up, and you're just like, why did God bring you to the body? Why are you part of the body? <laughs> that's because the body bears each other's burdens. Come on, that's for somebody today. Come on, do you want to keep, I mean, seriously, you may have that, that even that, that fake smile is cracking. It's cracking. That self-sufficiency is breaking. And you're feeling lost and alone. Help is only one shout away. See, it's inside the church and it's outside the church. Psalm 107 to uh, 719a said, Lord, help. They cried in their trouble. In Psalm 77, 1 to 2, it says, cry out. I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven. Psalm 18, uh, 6a, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to God for, to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. He cried, my cry to him reached his ears. And I want to tell you that there is not one thing. There's not one thing that you have uttered the deepest things inside the thing. Some things that are left unsaid that he doesn't already hear. I want you to know that in the deepest distresses right now, there's some people that's been saved for a while and you just don't, and you're stuck. You don't know how to get back to where you were. And I just, there's a word for you. You don't need to get back to where you were. You need to move on to where you're going. I'm just saying to you that even going back to where you were wasn't all that great anyway. You may have gotten the T-shirt, you may have got the, the photograph, but it was just the photograph in that moment. But God is wanting to give, go, cause you to go from faith to faith to glory to glory. And there's so much more than what was before. Huh. You know what? It's like, huh. See, God's giving you a passion and calling with purpose. It keeps you up at night because it burns in you like a furnace. Get ready to go deep because it takes you beyond the surface. Build your endurance and service to the king. It just doesn't happen. You have to earn it. God has spoken to you and you know that you know that you heard it. Now I have to be careful the way that I word this. Some may discount, discount and discourage you and make you feel worthless because it's outside the scope of this circle so they won't support it. God didn't, didn't give the dream to them, but, you do, but, you, but to you, so don't abort it. People don't like to rock the boat, so they don't want you disturbing it. But if God is giving you something to do, then you can't let anything deter it. Yes, you need counsel, and if there's a lesson, you should learn it. But if it doesn't align with what God put inside, you have to discern it. And if the device, advice you heard goes against the word, then you just need to burn it. If Jesus is king of your life, make sure he's the one who governs it. I'm not talking about rebelling and yelling like a felon. I'm just saying that we need to listen to what God is telling. If you find yourself fighting his leading, you need to yield to his will and let him. He's humble yourself because what he's doing in you is building your faith and stretching. What good is life if it's lived without risk? How can you hit the target without practice and never miss? I'm better at kissing my wife today than when I had my first kiss. <laughs> See, we got things to do, so let's get them done and cross them off the list. It doesn't matter if no one supports you or you can't afford it or if people around you don't think it's real and ignores it. Keep pushing and praying, working and slaving. It may take a while before it clicks. Have you heard of planting and sowing, reaping and growing? It'll be harvest time before you know it. 
God wants you to know that the mission is still a go, so don't abort it. We were speaking last night with uh, CJ and Lisa. And my, my, my wife uh, said something. She goes, I, I was just thinking about all the words that were spoken to us over the years and how they were spoken so that they would be fulfilled. God doesn't speak things and expect it to be void. He doesn't speak me, oh, you know, what? I'm just going to do a little, press a little uh, suggestion out in, the, out in the atmosphere. Like, you know what, this could be you. But when it's specific and it, it hits your heart and you know that, God's, that, it, it, that it hits your heart, God speaks that. Because he wants to tell you and also encourage you so that you have something to believe so that you will have the fortitude to walk forward and, and grasp it. Does that make sense? And so what, and it was kind of profound because you think of the different things that God's put in your heart. Even from a young age, there's different things that God's that's going on in your heart. The things that God is speaking to you. How many have been prophesied like oh, at camp or at, at church? Some, somebody's been giving you a word that just hit you so hard. You're like, yeah, I want to go to the nations, but I'm in still water. I, you know, I see, I, I, oh, but it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. No, that's, I get, oh, you're good, me too. Good job. I'm going to stop talking right now with you because I have to keep going. It's okay. Okay, good. But you know, the things are being spoken to your lives at this age. I can tell that. I mean, seriously, I look into your eyes and I see that I see life. I see purpose. I see that you are, I'm not going to use that word, you are created on purpose for his purpose. But there's somebody that's been speaking in you, over you. Not only that, you can just, there's different people that you have a deposit of Christ that is not for two years from now, it's for now. This is not till you grow up. It's, to, it's, it's like, see, people wait till they grow up, but they just need to know up. If they know right now that they could do what they could do, they won't wait two years to do it. So I'm just saying that what you've been speaking is on your life is now words. Now words. And so I'm just saying that this stuff on, on us is, in fact, how many people have words and stuff that's weighing on you so hardcore from the past because you're like, what was that all about? Huh? I'm supposed to do this. Uh, they said it. But this is, this is what I know, is that even if we get off of his purposes, as we come back to him and be obedient, he restores us back to his purposes. And may, we may have lost some time, but we have not lost our end. And there's joy in our salvation at the very moments we begin to obey. Another thing that God spoke to me last night is like, you know, how many people believe in radical obedience? You know, you hear it now when God says something. You know, uh, and, and you do it, and people say, man, you're radically obedient. Oh, man, you're just radically obedient. And I'm like, so I, how many believe in radical obedience in your home, parents? Radical obedience. <laughs> like, like when you say something and your kids do something and you go, oh, that was great. Here's a cookie. You, that was radical obedience. <laughs> I mean, like, are there levels of obedience? I mean, like, really, like, you know, right now, God, God sent me to do this, you know, said to Saul, you know, you know, kill all these people, whatever. And, uh, man, you know what, Saul's like, man, I, I didn't feel I need to be radical. 
Man, I just, I was just almost radical obedience. So that was enough, right? I mean, like, it's like, there's no tear of obedience. It's obedience or disobedience. So when people say to us, they go like, oh, man, God is just blessing you because you're so obedient. And I'm like, I understand what you're saying. But if my, if my master and savior says to go do this and I do it, do I get a brownie point? <laughs> let's, let's talk military. Okay, I want you to go there, go take out that person. because that's right. And it's like, hey, yeah, bro, I was radically obedient. <laughs> Got it. Come on, come on, give me a patch. Radical obedient patch. No, you're just following orders. <laughs> like, come back to the base on this time. Uh, uh, no, uh, you know, no, I'll just stay for another three days. Oh, I don't feel like I'm being, radi- need to be radical obedient. If you're not obedient, you're AWOL. Come on. Because I know that, I, I mean, I wish there were tears of obedience. Like when I said, say to my kids, uh, uh, it's time to get off the device. And they go, oh, my dad means that the first time. <laughs> oh, dad, I love you. Instead of going, oh, didn't I say, yeah, yeah, but I got to finish something. Oh, that's four minutes after you, I said, get off. So I'm just saying, we like to say this, this tears of a devotion. We're either devoted or we're distracted. Because we're devoted to the thing that ca- catches our eye. And if, we, if, if I say, get off the, the, the device, and they're totally engrossed in the device, you know what? They're worshiping that more than they're listening to me. Come on, I know we can. Now, let's, let's, let's. let's Bring that to God in us. Come on. Go talk to that person. You know, I got to see. I got to see what the Lord's saying about this. I'm going to have to be radically obedient to do that. I have an added dose of spiritual unction to do that. Obedience moves the hand of God. You want to see the spirit of God move? Move. With the spirit. Check this out. Last night, I mean, it was cool. I was out in the basketball court. Last night, it was pitch black and dark, and I was still swishing it. Couldn't see it, but I knew it. Um, every time, dude. Oh! Um, so, so I'm, like, done. I'm, like, going home, and God, God's like, where are you going? <laughs> I'm like, duh. Going inside, it's dark. Then he just said something. He said, you know what? If you say yes... You, you, and pass the test, you're blessed. If you decide to say no and stop the flow, you will, fe- be, you will fail to grow. It's like, it's the, it's the yes. It's not the maybe, it's not the wanna, it's not the intentions. It's the yes. When Jesus came to heart, it's like, could you imagine? It's like, oh man, Jesus died for me and I got to decide if I want to follow him. Ooh, should I be obedient or radically obedient? For those that think there's tears, <laughs> you could be in church for 40 years and still not be saved. You could know every aspect of church and still not have intimacy with God. And so it's like, I, I want to just say to you that 
that, that the Lord is wanting to say to stop with the semantics and the different tiers of different things of like devote. It's like either we're obedient or not. We got and so this is this is just another thing that I, I that I got while I was out there. He said with the ball. He said, "So that ball, how, how do you have the ability to switch it every? No, I didn't switch it every time. Um, <laughs> how do you have the ability to get it in? It's because why? Because I'm I'm almost." 48 this year. So, I, and seriously, for the last five years, I'm like, I like to play basketball like I did. You know, because when I'm on a court, you know, I could just shoot. But, you know, every time I got on a court, I needed oxygen. <laughs> right? And so we started walking. And so I started walking, and, you know, walking can be boring at times unless you're with your beautiful wife, right? Say, that's it, walking with your wife, beautiful. Right? But sometimes it can be so boring, so I just brought a ball. So I started doing, so I started, like, wow. And then, then I started shooting at the, at the park, you know, and it took me a long time to do 50 shots. Too long. Now, I'm not going to tell you how long because now I can do it shorter. But we do that. So I'm doing this, playing this or whatever. So all of a sudden I got my ball. I, I can dribble. And also the atrophy is going from my limbs so I can actually run after the ball when I miss. Um, and you know what? Then all of a sudden these four boys come to the park. And they say, hey, you want to play? I'm like, I don't know. I've played a long time. All right. Got my oxygen tank. You know. And so then we start play, playing, and all of a sudden, then I start shooting, start making, making the box. And so I'm like, oh, let's go. And so, so then all of a sudden, they're like, how do you move like that? How do you have so much stamina? I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's like, dude, you are not 47. You're like, you're lying. You're lying. I'm like, thank you for that. <gasps> thank you. <laughs> and so, but because I was able to get this old body <laughs> working a little, I started, but I was able to talk with the four of them. I began to uh, talk with them. I was like, you know what? I'm leaving. I don't know when I'm going to see you again. So I just want to tell, share with you the gospel. And then one guy begins to just say, you know what? My mom just died. This other kid goes, you know what, my mom's been praying for me for years. And so right there, I got to pray with these guys. But you know what, the reason why I was able to be in that moment at that time is because I took the ball that God gave me and I started using it. What I want to share with you is this right now, from young to old, every one of us has a ball. God has given us the ball of our life and also some of us the ball of our gifting, our calling. Yes, it's yours. It's nobody else's ball. Some of you, but some of you have not even taken the ball out of the package. You're just like, hey, man, I got a ball. Man, even that ball was prophesied over. That's going to go into many nets. It's going to get 80 points in your game. Yeah, but I'm not taking it out of out the package because I like the look of the ball. But even as from us, that's older. What ball has God given you that you have put on the shelf? And then you always say, hey, man, I'm called to this, I'm called to that, but you're not practicing with that ball. You're supposed to sing, you're supposed to worship, but you don't even do worship at home. You're supposed to prophesy or preach or whatever, but you're not even in your word. You're supposed to love and be hospitable and different things, but you got your heart is filled with, with fear, anxiety, hatred, and bitterness and resentment. Hey, you can't use that ball if, you got, if, you, if the vessel is still filled with atrophy is on the couch. 
And so young people, you're being, you're giving a ball right now where people say, hey, you know what? God, you have so much promise, so much potential. You could stop, you could reach the world. And you're like, yeah, I could reach the world, yeah. And in a few moments or what you call it, after youth camp or whatever, oh, man, it's been three weeks, I haven't reached the world. Dang. But see, that's because you haven't had enough time with your ball. You need to keep, keep praying, keep, keep growing in your worship, keep growing in your, your gifting, keep, keep submitting, keep using it. And that as you use your ball, you become more familiar with it. And then when the time comes, it's nothing to use. And this is what happened. I'm, not, I'm just saying this is what's so ch- funny to me is that I'm this old guy playing with these 15, 16-year-old kids, and I know I need auction. They don't know I do. And they say, hey, let's play three-point game. You know, whoever gets this the, the fastest. See, ben, ben knows what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we start playing, and I start beating all of them, all the boys playing at the same time. Five, zero, seven, zero. I'm like, dang, that practice is working. And they're just, and none of them would even say, good game. None of them would go like, hey, good job. Just like, oh, man, I'm just off today. Oh, man. And they got so mad because <laughs> Because this old man was just draining them all. <laughs> so I'm saying to you, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you got with your ball, you need to pick it up and start using it again. Get familiar with it. Because it doesn't, 25 years doesn't count. Oh, man, I used to just run. I used to, I mean, I used to uh, catch the ball from 60, 70 yards. That was awesome. And now, right now, if somebody did that, you couldn't even have to catch it after four yards. Because you're not familiar with it. You only have a memory of it. The call of God is real time. It's the now time. So if God called on you to do what you're called to do now, would you be ready? Ah. See, young people, God is just working on you. Man, you are, this is just a sweetness. Not only a sweetness, but there is a confidence in Jesus that some of y'all have that rivals what the adults have. There's a, there's, there's, there's a newness where God is, there's how many people have been having some dreams? Okay, how many people have been having some dreams? Come on. I mean, you know me, I'm not talking about like, hey, I dream about a unicorn. Um, <laughs> But God has been putting stuff in your heart, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. I don't even know what to do with it. Yeah, because God is, God is giving you some balls. Sorry, that's so weird. <laughs> I didn't mean to offend the girls. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> didn't mean. Oh, that didn't go the way I thought it would. Um, Woo, man. We're going we're gonna, to... We're going to have to strike that, huh? Man, the ball's rolling, though. The ball's rolling. Um. <laughs> come on, you know. Oh, come, come on, come on, come on. How many people, how many of you, or do you, you see, some, some of you are beginning to get some songs, some worship songs. Come on, come on. I know, I mean, it's, it, it's so ripe on you guys. 
Some of y'all begin to get, God's beginning to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> you need to get some boldness and do what I tell you. you. Some of you have been procrastinated on some words that you have been needing given. Come on. You don't need to raise your hand, but if you want to, you can, but you don't need to. Don't worry, I saw the hands inside. Um, but Lord's saying, hey, that's the ball that I've given you. Start using it. Start using it. Because the more that you use it, the more that you, the, the more that you practice it, the more that you know how to use it, and you know how to, how to help others use it. I'm saying to you, what are you doing with the, with the ball that God's giving you? It's so simple, but it's so profound because it's not, you don't have my ball. Somebody, some of y'all are not going to get up here and start doing some pro- prophetic proses. And, and like, I mean, like, like maybe Lisa could. You know, because I heard, no, stop it. I ain't going to bother. Stop it, Brian. Stop it. But, um, but you have yours. Because the whole, the whole fact of it is God, how many people are crying out to God. You've been crying out to God for more. You've been thinking that you were crying out, God, God, save me. I just need to make it another day. But that's not the cry of your heart. The cry of your heart is not to survive, it's to thrive. The cry of your heart is not just to get through, it's to go be, be above and beyond. Because God is like, I have not seen, ear have not heard, nor entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So I'm just, he's gonna just going to give you enough to make it? Or has he, is he going to give you all you need to overcome? All. So you're crying out. I can feel it. Some of you, you're crying. There's, there's marriages right now that are going through some stuff. Hmm. You need to cry out before. Most people cry out just at the end where, when it's too late almost. Oh, you know, we need some help. No, you need to help 10 years ago. So sometimes the best thing you could do for yourself right now is say help. And so I'm just going to, mm, this. oh, Lord Jesus, why does this always happen to me? So I'm just going to go with the flow with God, so you know. Oh, oh, oh. Um, this one's called I'm Sending You. I'm sending you to go places you've never been, to see things you've never seen, to do things you've never done, and to fight, and to fight battles that need to be won. I'm sending you to serve, to serve those who need to be served, to preach to truth to those who need the word, to the hungry who need to be fed, to the forgotten who are left for dead. I'm sending you to lay hands on those who need healing, to bring faith to the unbelieving, to console and comfort the grieving, to reveal Jesus to those who need them. I'm sending you to those who lost their way and departed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to break down the walls of the guarded and soften the hearts of the hardened. I'm sending you. So remember the precious blood that bought you. Hold on to the promises, uh, the, the promises that I taught you because some will be beaten and tortured and some will give their lives up and be mortars. And yes, I'm sending you because the multitudes need to be told and so many are out in the cold. How will they hear unless you go? How will they know my love unless it's shown? I'm sending you. So everyone from the big to the small, in your court I've placed the ball. Are you ready to give it your all? How will you respond to the call? When Jesus says, I'm sending you. In your court, I have placed the ball. And uh, we got a, a word from one of my friends uh, 
before we left, and it just go coincides with what what this what our time is about. Is that it's like if not now, then when? It's like when you look at your life as another two, three, seven, ten, twenty years that we're talking about what could what I could be doing. When if we have started doing it, we'd be almost done. I'm just saying to us, young and old. It's time for us to say yes. Imagine being free from everything that keeps you from saying yes to God. I'm telling you, we have this issues of debt, but this issue of this of you got to remove that tear of obedience. Oh, you know, God's showing Shane something that I feel I need to do, but I don't know. Right? When, when you say God's sharing something that you need to do, let's stop there instead of talking ourselves up and say, I don't know. Our insecurities, our failures, our shortcomings, all those things blare at us and fight against the, the, the plan of God, the word of God, and the, and the, uh, the, the um, strength of God. And we walk in weakness, despair, disbelief. And I'm just saying, that is not how God has called us to walk. And I'm not saying, I hope you don't, it's not, it doesn't feel like heavies I'm putting on you. I'm just saying that the Great Commission is heavy. I, I'm not trying to put something on it more than you can bear, but beyond our tragedy, our circumstances and situations, which are valid, but beyond those, God has promised that he will deliver us from all of our troubles. There's a promise, and I just love it, as we cry out to him, Exodus 22 to 23 says, Years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. He looked down on the people in New Covenant Fellowship that's been crying out. You're crying out for the city. I know it. It's time he wants to act. Psalms 18, 6b, he heard me from the sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Psalm 10 says, Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and to the oppressed. So mere people can no longer terrify them. Man, Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from death's door. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. I don't care what you are walking through, what you're going through right now. The Lord is bigger than all of it. I don't care if you know the torture, the depression, the things that, the very things that as I say these words, you are struggling with and you're just wondering, when will these fall? Well, I'm just telling you, just like Goliath fell, God has a stone that he wants you to throw. And I'm telling you, you just be faithful and Jesus, bam, they're going to fall and you go, you can, (laughs) you can take the head off. I'm just saying to you that we, you are more powerful than you, than you realize. The power of God that runs through you. I'm telling you, this is so crazy, the things that we've experienced. I, it's just amazing to me that God be, has begun to move in people's lives without me even knowing what he's doing. Could you imagine that? That as I'm speaking, people getting uh, free of uh, bondages and depression and without my permission. Man, God transcends me. Whoa. 
I'm just saying it's bigger than us. Just the mere, the mere presence of a man and woman of God sold out to him and walking in his power and authority changes the atmosphere as you walk. You don't even have to know what he's doing. This one lady, this is so cool to me because I had no idea. So six weeks later, I had just felt to pray for this lady and just do, do one of my pros for her. And then I pray for her left. I'm like, oh, that was right in corporate America, a corporate setting. I hope that wasn't weird. Hope they'll invite me back to sell stuff. Um, and then six weeks later, I come by. She goes, hey, come here. I want to come in. She goes, when you did that, how do you know that I need it? I'm like, I didn't know you need anything. She said, but when, I've been dealing with fear, insomnia, and just torture for the last six weeks, and I couldn't get over it. And when you prayed for me, it was gone. I haven't had a nightmare since. I'm like, I was like, I was like, obviously you get all the glory because I didn't even know. So God is doing stuff when you can't even see. I mean, I could keep going and going and going and going, and you'd be like, I need to eat. But I'm just saying to you, just, I just want to speak something real prophetically to you. That I didn't come here necessarily to put more word in you. I felt the Lord said, they, many of you are filled up with the word. But he wants to activate the word that's already in you. It's like there's, there's, there's things, there's words of victory that has been given to you. And that the enemy has been fighting you and you're losing grip of it. You need to hold on to it again. Victory is assured in Christ. How can you say that? You don't know what happened to me. I'm just saying when it says he delivered them out of all, it didn't say, oh, except for you. Uh, The word doesn't change for the individual. The The word is so real and so powerful. If it doesn't work for all of us, then is it the word of God? The word of God reigns supreme. I'm telling you, we exalt the word. We exalt the, the power of the word, the word over our, our opinions and our thoughts. You know, I don't know if it could happen. I'm like, well, I didn't ask you. <laughs> what did the word say? I don't know if I'm going to make it. Uh, you're going to make it. You gonna make, I'm just telling you, you're going to make it. Why? Because the word says you're going to make it. So if you, if you don't have faith, Borrow some of mine right now. <laughs> I'm just saying that where, where you are right now is not hopeless. Feelings lie because you could feel good about, like my wife can feel good about me one time, and I just do one little thing, and then she feel different about me. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and I think she still loved me, even amidst those feelings of like, who the heck do you think you are? Oh, man. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning, God. There's so much more that you want to do in this place. God, there's so much more, God. There's so much that things, things that are brewing under, God. And I pray, God, I don't know who they are, but God, but this word, God, whether it's what I said or something that was imparted today, God, something that would bring life. To those that have darkness hovering on them in Jesus' name. It's like a search and rescue mission. I don't know who you are. I may not have come for everybody, but you know this is for you. 
that God is that God has not designed you to walk under oppression and depression and regrets from the past. He did not call you to walk under guilt and shame. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. And if you continue in my word and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm talking about activating the truth that is in you. Man, God's already put it there. Unleash it. Stand on it. Meditate on it. In Jesus' name, I pray that all the lie, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Father, I thank you that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mine through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Some of us need our mind washed in the blood, washed in the word, and allow the spirit of God to activate the truth truth that has been invested deposited in us in Jesus name so I pray today in Jesus name that those words and the truth of God would be ignited in Jesus name victory is ours in Christ hallelujah hallelujah thank you so much for today thank you Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you. I declare your rule, your reign in Jesus' name. I speak to every demonic principality power to every single lying spirit, every single discouraging and just depression in Jesus' name. And I say in Jesus' name, be gone in Jesus' name. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that has sealed us, that has sanctified, that has keeps us, protects us in Jesus' name. There's somebody here that's wondering, how will I, my family be protected? I'm saying come on underneath the blood and know that the blood protects you. Know that, you, that he, will, he will keep you, he will get you through, even though it seems crazy right now. Those storms are just for a moment, but it will pass. Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, come on. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, man. You know what? Well, you know, I got to go. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. You do what we can't. You do what is beyond us. So, Father, today, I thank you. Let's stop today and look at the size of God. He's bigger than everything that we, that he's bigger. So, Father, I pray you for grace on your people. God, I pray, God, for breakthrough on your people, God. And I pray for unleashing that, that song. was That's a, such a prophetic song today, to unleash, God, that you would pour out in Jesus' name. And, uh, yeah. Amen.